So hello, everyone. Hi. Hi there. So I just want to start off with some prayer uh, tonight. So if you guys bow your heads, let's seek the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that your presence would be here tonight. God, I pray that we would hear from you directly. Uh, God, I pray that we would be challenged uh, by what we're, we're talking about tonight, Lord. Uh, Father, I pray that you would bless every individual here in ways that they would not even realize were possible, God. Be with us tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. So, my name is Hayden, if you guys didn't hear that already. Hayden Lovin. Uh, I am a professional actor and communicator. I travel around the U.S. and around the world sometimes, and I speak to students and different age groups, different types of people, about tons of different topics, a bunch of different topics. Um, and actually, tonight, one of the topics that I'm talking to you guys about, I've only spoke on this um, three other times. And it's because of some legal guidelines uh, with my son's um, uh, adoption process, uh, our, our custody that we have with him. Uh, we were able and unable to speak about different things at different times. And now finally, because we have uh, full physical and legal custody, I can now talk about these things. So uh, before, before I show you a few pictures up here, I, I want to give you a little bit of an intro. So my wife and I, she is also an actor, an actress, if you will, and we would dream of moving to Los Angeles. And two and a half, three years ago, we actually had a lease in front of us for Burbank, California. There was an awesome one-bedroom uh, in our price range, finally. And we said, you know what, God, we're young, we're married, let's do this. So we were going to move to Southern California and pursue our dreams of being actors. Uh, we both had a few connections out there, so we thought, why not? Let's just do it. Let's just do it. So we, we went down there. We visited for a few months. We saw this place, and literally, my hand had the pen in it. And I was about to sign this thing, and I, I just felt something really strange about it. At, at first, I thought it was like, maybe it's a bad apartment, and there's like water damage or something, and I don't know if I should do this or not. Maybe God's telling me that. No, that wasn't it. So we said, you know what? We're not going to move right now, right this moment anyways. So let's just not sign it. Let's pray about it when, when we go home, and if we decide, we can fill it out online and send it in. So we went home. Probably a week later, this happened. Uh, this boy, Anoki, there was a situation that happened with his family. He is my wife's cousin's son. And he was actually left alone with his 10-year-old brother in a home with three passed out adults for two nights and, and three days. And we had had a few times of babysitting him before that, just general, hey, can you watch my kid for, you know, a couple hours? Sure, why not? And... And that one night totally, completely changed our lives. So I want you to see a few pictures of Anoki. Uh, they're going to be right up here for you guys to look at. And, and I want to kind of describe to you this boy and, and what he is to us. So this is uh, a, a little ways into us uh, acquiring him, getting him into our family. He is probably a year and a half in, in this picture. And this picture perfectly describes how, what he was like. You see, he was not a normal, typical little boy when we first got him. He was void of emotion. He wouldn't cry hardly ever, except at night, and I'll, I'll tell you about that. He wouldn't laugh 
at anything. He, he wasn't ticklish for, for some reason. He, he wouldn't respond. I, I would throw him up in the air, and he would get scared, and then I'd catch him. So I kept trying to do these, these different faces, these different crazy things to just get this boy to respond to me somehow. So you can go to the next one. All, all these are are just basic pictures of, of my boy. This one was taken at last, last Christmas. And, and as you can see, things have, have slowly changed. You can go to the next one. So he, he, we've been potty training for a while now, and he does this thing where he'll go in the bathroom, and, and I'll walk in. Hey, buddy, Snoot, I call him. Hey, Snoot, because he says Snoot snacks instead of fruit snacks. Hey, Snoot, do you need any help? He's like, no, go out. You go out. I was like, oh, sorry. You know, I'll walk away, and I'll spend, you know, five, six, seven, eight minutes. I'm like, okay, buddy. So I, I walk in there. Hey, bud, do you, do you need any help? <sighs> Me resting. I guess it's hard work potty training. Me, me resting. So he, he does that a few times. Go out. Me almost done. Or you can go to the next one. He's, he's hilarious. Yep, we, my, my wife and I have been trying to get him to eat a little healthier instead of having snoot snacks all the time. We've been giving him carrots and broccoli and different types of things. You can keep going. This is, <laughs> this is a, a little bit into us having him. He was uh, slowly but surely he became a little bit of a goofball. You can keep going. There's only, there's only a couple more. That's my wife, Chelsea. Uh, think runway model meets goddess. That is my wife right there. Uh, and then there's Anoki. Uh, then, and this was taken uh, sometime last year. You can go to the next one. <laughs> this is uh, because of my mother-in-law. She has goats. Um, and Anoki now loves animals because of it. Uh, any type of animal he wants to hold, he wants to feed, he wants to kiss. So we've had to pull him back from a few different situations because of that. You can go to the next one. I think this next one, this is the one I want to talk about for a little bit here. See, this picture means so very, very much to me because this was the first picture that I took of Anoki actually having um, some type of a response to me. And it was, it was in a video because you'd, have, you'd really have to capture it. And so I was recording him, and I was like, doing something weird, hey, buddy, you know, trying to get his response. And as you can tell, he was like, well, what, are you, what are you doing to me? But I got it. I got it on an image of his emotional response, some type of a reaction in his face that wasn't just a blank stare, that wasn't just a void of, of any type of emotion. And you see, he became my entire life. Because my wife and I, as I said, we wanted to move, and all of a sudden, this boy was put into our life. This, uh, this dirty, diapered curveball, as, as I say, was thrown into our life totally, completely, uh, without us realizing it. See, we were totally focused on one thing. In, in the Bible, it says that in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And that's exactly what happened with my wife and I. We had these huge dreams of something other than central Minnesota, which is where I'm from, which is very similar in weather to up here. And we said, we want to get out of this place. Well, this kid came into our lives on September 10th, 2013. And we decided, since that incident of him being alone, the family got together and said, would you guys take him in? for the time being until we can figure out the situation and we kind of looked at each other and prayed about it and said well maybe this is that little 
thing that we felt in our hearts. So we said, okay. I was 20 and my wife was, no, I was 21 and my wife was 20. And we kind of looked at each other and went, all right, all right, let's do it. So we were told short-term, well, long-term babysitting, basically. So for like six weeks or something, we would have this boy until this mother figured out legally what was going on with her situation, and the father figured out where he was going to be. This boy would be with us. So that totally, totally changed our life, 100%, because we wanted to wait, you know, five years before we had kids. And this, this boy just all of a sudden, not, not just an, an infant or, or the nine months of prep time, he was almost a toddler, boom, just in our lives like that. So we were not parents. We had no idea about parenting. There was no child-safe anything in our house. I've learned so many different kinds of things about child, child safety and, and different kinds of knobs you can put on things so they can't open it. And all of a sudden, it was like, I'm a dad now, kind of, you know, it was just shocking. And so Anoki, he would, have, he would have night terrors. And we didn't know this because he'd never spent the night at our place before. He would, we'd try to put him down about 7.30, 8 o'clock, and he'd be tired, and he'd fall asleep. About 9 o'clock, every night, never failed, he would wake up screaming and afraid and wailing. And in, in a manner that was uncontrollable, in, in a way that, that you couldn't quiet him down. It was like night and day, all of a sudden, this boy that had no emotions during the day was just, was just full of fear. And, and this problem continued and continued, and we had no idea where it came from, no idea what caused it. And I was doing this at that time. I was starting to launch what I want to be, the career for the rest of my life. And I was gone and I was traveling and I had no sleep. I, my wife and I, we calculated over those first six weeks that we had him, we had on average four hours, a night, four hours of sleep every night because of this crazy schedule that this boy had or, or lack thereof. He, he didn't have a schedule. He would just scream and then finally somehow, some way we would move him enough that the motion would cause him to fall asleep. Uh, when, when we got him, he should have been speaking many words. Uh, and, and he said one. He said no. And slowly but surely, he started saying den. And everyone around me told me, that's, that's you. That's Hayden. He's, he's saying you. And, and I didn't believe it. I, I didn't believe that he was saying my name. Well, finally, I realized that, yes, that's, that's what he's saying. This boy's second word was my name. And I was like, I'm, I'm not his dad, you know. I, he, he shouldn't be doing this to, to me. But sure enough, it happened. And we had to, to drop him off every once in a while. He, he didn't just live with us 100% completely during that time. We would have to drop him off at, at his mom's or his dad's. Neither of them had a license. They, they were both revoked. And every time we would drop him off, he would look back at us and he would, he would scream. And he would be reaching for us. And, and at the time, it was very heartbreaking, and I had no idea why he was doing it. My, my wife couldn't even get out of the car because she was, she was weeping so much because of this. And this boy, he would reach out, arms and legs, and he would scream at me. He would say, Den, Den, Den. And I would say, it's all right, buddy. It's all right. It's fine. And the reason I was able to do that was because I knew that Sunday evening at 5 o'clock, I would be waiting in the Target parking lot in Monticello, Minnesota, waiting for this boy to come back. 
I knew where I was going to be when. I knew exactly. He had no idea. He had no clue. He was scared. He was afraid. Well, to continue, after two months went by, we thought, well, what's going to happen? You know, is, is someone, is he going to go back with his mom? Is he going to go back with his dad? We had no idea. And he would go three nights then at, at, at this point. The parents were like, you know what? Maybe we want him back. That's how it felt. So his dad would, would take him for three nights at a time and then bring him back. And then his mom would take him for two nights. And then we would get him for four nights and then two nights and three nights and five nights. Back and forth and back and forth. This boy was in different beds all the time. There was no consistency. Nothing. And, and it was heartbreaking. And we had no idea what to do because we're young 20s. We had people telling us, you shouldn't be enabling them like this. You shouldn't be doing... I just love the boy. I just love him. I, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to keep this going. So finally, we mustered the courage to tell both the parents, you know what? This is not good for him. He needs consistency. He needs to be able to sleep in the same bed, eat at the same time, be, be disciplined in the same way all the time. And so finally, they, they said, okay. So he stayed with us. And after four months went by, five months went by, six months went by, we started pursuing adoption. And we thought, you know what? We think this boy is our son. We think that he's our son. And so we started looking into these, these different ways to adopt him. Well, neither parent wanted that, wanted that to happen uh, for, for different financial reasons uh, from, from the government, different things, different benefits that they would receive because of this child. And, and they just wouldn't have it. So you can, you can take that picture down if, if you want to. And so... This song came out right about that time, and I don't know if, if any of you guys know it. It's called Say Something. Uh, if, if, if you guys are, are familiar with the song, it's Say Something, I'm Giving Up On You. And that song just, I know it's about like a guy to a girl, but every time I hear it, it feels like a, just like a knife. Because it was totally describing what I was going through at that time. I, I have some of the lyrics here, and it says, Say something, I'm giving up on you. I'll be the one if you want me to. Anywhere I would have followed you, say something, I'm giving up on you. Other things it says, and I will stumble and fall. I'm still learning to love, just learning to crawl. And it would, it would describe my situation. And some of the last lines in the song is, and I, I will swallow my pride. You're the one that I love, and I'm saying goodbye. And every time I'd have to drop him off, I would think about that. And every time that song came on, I, I had to turn it off because it was describing my situation, what, what I was in. And, and I, was, I was just about done. I was just about done. Because it was so heavy on my wife that she, it was hard for her to communicate sometimes because she just couldn't. She became so emotionally distraught that she couldn't communicate. And uh, it came to this point where I just said, you know what, I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm just going to live as if he's my son. I'm, I'm just going to treat him like, like he's my child now. Because if he leaves, I know that I gave him every single moment that I could have. You know what I mean? So slowly but surely, we started using sign language with this boy. We started saying more. And every, every word that we would use that there was an identifier, we would use a sign. And so he would respond to that. And he started signing back to us. We would say, outside, outside. And he'd go to the door, and he'd go like this, and he would ask. And then little tiny little words started coming out. 
and he started putting these words together. And it was just breathtaking. It was just breathtaking to see, like, I think I caused that. I, I think that might be from me. And he started using words. And then we started, because he was at our house all the time, he started falling asleep at the same time every night. And he wouldn't wake up. He would, he would sleep throughout the whole night. <laughs> and my wife and I would look at each other, and it was amazing. Because we would, we would read a book, Bob the Builder or Spot, and we would bring him to bed. He would lay down. We would pray. And we'd turn the lights off every night, every night, every night, again and again. And he started to realize the routine. He started to understand, oh, this is what we're doing. And he knew that he wouldn't have to worry about waking up and no one being there. Why? Because we were there. Because he remembered it. Because he believed that we would be. And he, he stopped screaming after, right before I would put him into the bath. He would stop screaming. For, for some reason, this boy would just flail and, and hate going in the bath. Well, I knew that if he didn't get a bath, he was going to be really dirty. He didn't know that. So finally, we started, he started realizing, oh, this is safe. Oh, this is okay. Okay. Why? Because we did it again and again and again. Through that routine, he realized that. And then, when we would do new things, like sledding, for the first time, he did not, he wasn't scared. Because he built this trust with me, this faith in me. And he would, he would be scared, but he would sit in my lap and we would go down the hill like it was nothing. There's no way that, that would have been able to happen right away in our relationship. And so he became my everything, and I became his everything. Why? How? Like this. Through routine, change happened. And I've realized that that happens so much more than just in this situation. Through routine, change happens. I feel like sometimes when, when we come to church, we kind of expect this, um, this feeling or this, uh, this emotional response to God. When in reality, I feel like the more potent, the more powerful change comes through the mundane and the boring things that sometimes we forget to do. Because Anoki did not, my son, Anoki, he did not just all of a sudden fall asleep right away because he was in a safe environment. He had no idea he was in a safe environment until it happened again and again and again. And that safety was proven through my faithfulness. Faith and faithfulness are two different things. Faith is something that we have. Faithfulness is something that we do. It's an action. And my faithfulness towards Enoki caused and generated his faith in me. And the same exact thing, same exact thing applies in our lives with God. Totally the same thing. I feel like maybe just maybe we're looking sometimes too much towards these moments. When in reality this, God, where are you? God, why can't I hear you? Why aren't you giving me direction? Maybe that's because the routine has stopped or the routine has changed and the boring has become boring. When I feel like our faith in God is proven by his faithfulness, which scripture says time and time again will never change. His faithfulness 
will never change. And our reaction to that is faith, which is complete and total foolishness to this world, to believe in something that you can't see, obviously. So Anoki was able to understand, oh, my food is going to be ready for me, usually, (laughs) at this time. And he would sit and be prepared and receive because I was faithful, because the action, because I did it. And I am a terrible, terrible person at faithfulness. Terrible. God is perfect at faithfulness. Time and time again, he has proven through his word, through things in our lives, that he will provide, that he will be there no matter what, regardless. And our faith is our response to that. That was Enoki's response to me. And now we have full custody of this boy. He lives with us full time, 100% of the time. Every once in a while, he'll, he'll visit his mom. His dad, he hasn't seen him forever. He is a completely different child. If I could put a video of him up, up there right now, I would. Of him, he's just a 100% boy, 100% crazy. He runs around and screams. He knows how to do an arm bar, you know, from, from MMA. He's, he's just hilarious. He's so funny. He talks so much. I wish I could get that kid to be quiet. But how did this change happen? Through his faith in my faithfulness. And that is how we can find change in our lives, is through our faith in God's faithfulness. Because in Anything in this world, in anything, God is faithful. I I went to North Central University, and I had a professor who said something to me. He said, people will fail you. Organizations will guard their territory, but God is faithful. And that has stuck with me my entire life. But God is faithful. When anything and everything fails, God does not. And because of that, we can have faith and have routine and start to learn and dive into Scripture and memorize Scripture. Because there is so much power in the Word of God. And and sometimes I feel like we forget that. It is power beyond power. It is mind-blowing power. It has the ability to change lives. But usually not like that. It's usually through a lifestyle, through a change. Because faith without works is dead. It is our job to respond to God's faithfulness through faith and to live a life that is worthy of being called his child. You are his child, and he died for you. Anoki has become my everything, and I have become his everything. The same exact thing applies to us with God. He is our everything, and we are his everything. So if, if you guys would, would come back up here and, and get ready with that last song, um, I, I'm going to close, and I'm going to pray. But I want everyone to remember that, that God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness is never-ending and never-failing, no matter what, regardless. So I'm going to pray, and then, and then these guys are going to lead us in, in one last song. Heavenly Father, God, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we would never forget that your faithfulness is never-ending and will never fail, that you will always respond to our calling. You will always provide for us. You will always comfort us, 
always, regardless, no matter what. There are no conditions to your love. Nothing can separate us from your love. And Lord, I pray that we would realize that maybe the change that we are looking for in our life can be found through the boring and the mundane and, and the, the strange tasks that we sometimes put off to the side or, or, or put on the back burner because they're not as important as these other things that we're dealing with. Lord, I pray that we would never, ever, ever forget that change can happen through the mundane. Lord, I pray that you bless all the individuals here tonight. And I pray for safety and life. And in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys.